Blaze Radio Network. And now, Reform This with Dr. Sudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. It is always great to be with all of you, and it is with a heavy heart this week that we come together to talk about the war in Israel, the war executed and launched by a terrorist organization, Hamas. We can't mince words. The reality is that in a surprise attack on October 7th, thousands of missiles, thousands of attacks, invasion was done by Hamas into Israel, an acts of horror, and a pogrom was executed against the people of Israel, the Jewish state of Israel. So much to talk about when it gets to the reality of this war, the discussion, the response globally, much of which has been just a profound disappointment. We've seen again the the propaganda that's been submitted by the Islamists and others. But first, my prayers are with the people of Israel. My prayers are with the victims of this horrific attack by Hamas, radical Islamists, have proven now that this was Israel's 9-11, with now recent numbers as of this broadcast that over 1,400 Israelis dead, many of which are seniors, children, grandparents, raped, beheaded, attacked in ways that are unspeakable on this program. But we must, we must talk about it, we must defeat it, and Hamas must be decimated. This Saturday, my mind went back to September 11, 2001. I recall that Israel's Bibi Netanyahu said on that day, Today, we are all Americans. And I recall how important that was to hear back then. And today... I said on October 8th, we are all Israelis. Make no mistake, this past Saturday, the people of Israel were massively and unjustifiably attacked by the Islamist terror organization Hamas, a movement owing its potency to Iran, owing its fuel to Iran. In fact, a spokesman for Hamas thanked Iran, while a spokesman for the IRGC, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, said, I promise that you will be victorious and you were faithful to your promise and to the enemy. Grandmothers were kidnapped, women were raped, and unarmed civilians were slaughtered. Over 700, and now we hear 1,400 Israelis were savagely killed, with thousands more injured, with over 50 hostages known. But you wouldn't know that from the supposed umbrella organization of American Muslims. The USCMO, the United States Council of Muslim Organizations, which only one day after the slaughter reaffirmed, quote, reaffirmed its unwavering support for the Palestinian people and rallied against the unprovoked and continuous attacks by Israel. That's what they said, quote, unquote. 
So when you see people like this, so-called Americans, so-called people of faith, around the world exploiting and celebrating the slaughter, you know that this is not about Israel. It's about civilization itself. It's crucial in all this that we see the key players in this. Iran and the global network of Shia and Sunni Islamists across the planet. The Sunni Islamists of the Muslim Brotherhood that have hatched most of these organizations. The Sunni Islamists of the Taliban. The Shia Islamists of the Khomeinis. They are the puppet masters and the Palestinians are puppets turned cannon fodder for their genocidal ambitions. History is going to look back at the $6 billion ransom paid to Iran and authorized by the Biden administration on 9-11-2023, a mere month ago, as one of the green lights. It was a collective madness by the Biden administration. And yes, President Biden has overseen the further bankrolling of Iran which in turn bankrolls Hamas, which has now just turned the Middle East into a cauldron of war. President Biden's also responsible for turning over hundreds of millions of dollars over to Yasser Arafat and his created Fatah-controlled Palestinian Authority, which runs the West Bank. And yet, as this horrific war rolls out, and Israel prepares for its defensive response. Commentaries have included worn-out phrases like cycle of violence, both sides, calls for ceasefire, proportionality, two-state solution. These are beyond offensive to anyone with a moral compass and liberty-minded worldview. Free people... Peaceful people maintain peace by responding with strength, by making sure that the fascist enemies that they have, like Hamas, Khomeinists, fear them. The people of Israel have not even had an opportunity to defend themselves fully after the launch of a massive terror attack, and the apologists for Hamas's Islamist terror organization are already in full Propaganda mode. Can you believe that the BBC won't even use the term terrorist to describe Hamas? I, I can't even imagine what they would describe as a terrorist organization. It seems that they're in full Islamist propaganda pro-terror mode at the BBC. The true radical un-American, anti-Semitic colors of the radical progressivists and Islamist apologists in the Democratic Party are now in full display from Ilhan Omar, Cori Bush, Rashida Tlaib, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and beyond, speaking as they do on behalf of the intransigent Palestinian claims. It's as if history has been thrown away. There is no History. It's as if Palestinians and Muslims have no moral agency. Ironically, perhaps the most relevant or irrelevant people 
to the hate-mongering radical Islamists of Hamas are the actual Palestinians. For they continue to be victimized by an oppressive force that is not what the propaganda arms say is Israel, but is rather Hamas themselves that keeps them in the physical and mental prison of radical Islamism. Last week's unilateral initiation of war by Hamas as part of a greater regional operation driven and fueled by Iran's terror-supporting IRGC, the Khomeinists, and cheered on by the global Islamist movement from Qatar, the Taliban, the Muslim Brotherhood, Hezbollah, Erdogan's Turkey, and on to just begin. It is undeniable that this Islamist war of aggression is about pure and simple, unvarnished Jew hatred, and more substantively, about negating the recent moves of normalization of non-Islamist Arab states like Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Emirates, and Muslims in the region via the growing Abraham Accords with Israel. The only way to stop that was to light the whole Middle East on fire, and that's what the Islamists of the Palestinian movement are doing. So I call on today, I call on people of conscience, especially any fellow Muslims, to reject the tribal savagery of Hamas. Hamas is Al-Qaeda, is ISIS, is the Taliban, is the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps. They are cut from the same cloth of evil, fascistic, inhuman acts of terror, and they victimize the groups they hate, such as the Jewish people, and they victimize their own Palestinians that are subjugated by their terror aggressions. Anyone of conscience must reject a world whose stock and trade is the abuse of civility and civilization. Some may want to live in that world of perpetual hate, but sadism is not in the world of the decent. A world that slaughters indiscriminately and parades a woman naked through the streets is a world that we must reject and fight. This week, and as Israel rages a moral defensive war, it is suffering. The only democracy in the Middle East is suffering, and all those who believe in civilization, in tolerance, in freedom, must make a full-throated and clear stand on this and on behalf of humanity. In short, the United States I know and love is the United States that stands against evil acts and ideologies and marshals the rest of the civilized community to do the same. It's been too long since we've done that. We've almost forgotten who we are, and now we need to remember who we are, and our closest ally, Israel, is paying that price today. Today is a testing time, a testing time for moral clarity, for humanity, for what defines civilization. We've seen our own country here in America torn apart by violence across cities where in order to protest movements like Farrakhan's Black Lives Matter, and I say Farrakhan because remember, many of us were so concerned because one of the most virulent anti-Semites in our country was platformed 
by the Black Lives Matter movement and a lot of the other sympathetic to that movement. And that movement entailed not just protests in the streets, but destruction of property, destruction of federal monuments, uh, destruction of businesses, and also violence. And yet, somehow, we saw with the death of George Floyd, all of a sudden that became justified. And there was no moral compass about what is the right moral agency for a people to protest. Is there moral agency? Is there clarity? And now we see with the horrific terror acts repeatedly. After 9-11, those of you that have followed me know that I have begged and pleaded to Muslim communities to, to express moral clarity, to be clear that something is evil, to call first, not to justify that somehow acts of barbarism can be excused as caused by some other group, by an oppressor, but rather individuals have moral agency. And yes, they may have certain complaints and desires for protest, but those protests don't justify any type of infringement of other rights and especially acts of barbarism. And yet, year after year, we see the hatching of new jihadi movements in which these jihadists divide the world into the land of Islam and the land of war. And it's not just any Muslim, it's the Islamists that they want to lift up and the Muslims beneath them that reject political Islam, that reject the Islamic State, become their cannon fodder. And that's why now is the testing time for those. Are they willing to stand with their American brothers and sisters, stand with their Jewish brothers and sisters in Israel against the Islamists and begin to look at what the Abraham Accords held, begin to look at what the women's revolution, you know where there was no day of jihad? By the way, what was this day of jihad? They called for a day of, they called for a day of jihad on Friday last week. Six days after the aggression by the Hamas animals. And what what is that about? I think it is a clarifying point in that it's not just about Hamas as some type of militant mutation. No, this is not a mutation. This is the programming of political Islam at its peak, at its worst, as a theocratic state. That state in Gaza, that state in Iran, that state in Afghanistan, that state in Egypt when the Muslim Brotherhood ran it is all the same. It's an Islamic supremacist state. And they called for a global jihad to rally the troops. So as protests raged across the Middle East, those protests included tens of thousands in Yemen and then thousands across the world in various localities that had them. Now, I will tell you the good news, if there is any in this horrible week, the good news is that the numbers paled in comparison to what was last 
the days of rage across the Middle East against their own regimes. Tens of millions went to the streets in Cairo against first Mubarak, and then three times more, up to 20 million, 30 million against the Muslim Brotherhood. Tens of millions went to the streets in Libya, in Tunis, Tunisia, and across the Arab Awakening. But that doesn't minimize what happened this past week. And the days of rage, as we saw, actually became more extreme the further you got from the Middle East because the propaganda took hold. So we saw this in universities in New York, Pennsylvania, and across the U.S. where they were protesting. Oh, they said not to support terror, but to support the Palestinians. Oh, really? Where are their statements against Hamas? Much of their talking points told their followers to not mention Hamas, to stay away from that verbiage and not be cornered into being painted as Hamas or terrorist supporters. And my response was, imagine during World War II as Allied forces began to plan and wage a response to Nazi Germany's attack, aggression, and holocaust against the Jews. Imagine if pamphlets to supposedly non-Nazi Germans said, oh, don't, don't mention the Nazis, just speak about German rights. And that example actually is very appropriate because the Hamas doctrine pulls from scripture. Now, scripture that I believe is fabricated as a Muslim, but it needs to be defeated. It needs to be decimated. They pull from hadith that they believe in their charter says, kill a Jew behind every stone. They believe the Prophet Muhammad said that, and that's what they're enacting. And since 9-11, many of us have been in the Muslim Reform Movement at the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, which I found it, have been talking about the need to reform, to defeat those scriptures and say they're not part of our theology. And yes, we formed the Muslim reform movement of up to 30 or more different platformed leaders in the Muslim community and they have continued to grow but are still a minority. And sad to say, not even a plurality. Now, if you look across the streets of Iran, there's been a revolution the past year against the theocrats. And the women of Iran are speaking out this week in support of Israel, against Hamas, against the aggression in the region that Iran supported through Hamas, that the Biden administration, from its basement, greenlit. So... The question is, why did Hamas launch this attack? You'd say, from a military standpoint, how does this make sense? How does it make sense at all? I mean, so they decided from a genocidal perspective they were going to try to kill as many Jews, but did they really think the power of the Israeli military was going to sit back? Did they really think that somehow they weren't going to be part of a suicide mission? Well, first of all, 
Let's unpack that a bit because I think it's really important because otherwise you will not understand the need to defeat this cancer within the Muslim communities militarily and intellectually. So just as they had their day of jihad, remember the universities across the country celebrated and uh, many of them had demonstrations. Some canceled the demonstrations because of the leadership that told them, you better not support genocide. You better not have overtly anti-Semitic demonstrations. But many still did. We saw it in the streets of New York with thousands that rallied for Palestine. But still, it was about... It was about a synergy, a synergy of the Islamists with the progressivists. Oh, we saw the AOCs of the world doing a word salad into the mics of their videos and saying, oh, we, we don't want loss of innocent life. We want, and then they didn't make any sense, and yet they talked about Palestinian lives as if somehow they could not even recognize the evil that Hamas did and, and the root cause of that, which is radicalization of the Muslim community by its own, by its own theologians. But no, somehow they don't have, there's this bigotry of low expectations, this bigotry of treating Muslims as children who are just victims of abusive parents and not of their own moral agency. And the ideas, the progressivists, the red-green axis, the neo-Marxists working hand-in-hand with the Islamists in this time as they their militant movements are aggressors, it's coming from, we see the infiltration of the ideas in our universities by the Chinese Communist Party, by the radical neo-Marxists across the planet. So why don't we have, it's important, ladies and gentlemen, to take this opportunity to say, you know what, it's time for us to have a forward policy in which we begin to infiltrate their communities with liberty-minded, secular, liberal, democratic ideals that expose the militancy, expose the animal nature of of theocracy, that connect the dots of the Taliban and the IRGC and the Hamas and the Al-Qaeda and the ISIS and the Muslim brotherhoods of the world. Connect those dots into one evil clot and begin the liberation of the Muslim mind. Why don't we have an offense of that? And that shows that as we are being attacked by the woke ideology of neo-Marxist and Islamist, that red-green axis, perhaps it's time for us to have an offense as our militaries in the West, from Israel to the United States, continue to fight a -a whack-a-mole program in which we defeat Al-Qaeda, we decimate ISIS, And now we need to defeat Hamas, and that's just in the last 20 years, and the cycle will keep on cycling. The regional and global triangular battle between the Islamist movements and the Arab dictators and the West was hatched in 2011. But now it's reopened, it's redeclared. Why did Hamas reopen it? Why? Let's talk about that. 
chaos, death, and disruption are the kindling for jihadi global growth as they seek realization of the caliphate of Dar al-Islam. Dar al-Islam is the land of Islam. So wherever Muslims are a majority, that's their land as they perceive it. It's not about human individuals regardless of faith. No, it's about faith identity, identity politics, Islamic state. Even though faith is a choice, supposedly, they see it as an identity, and thus the state becomes that identity, and everything else is the land of war. Dar al-Islam and Dar al-Harb, the land of Islam versus the land of war. So why now? Why now did they declare, light the Middle East on fire? Well, the feckless, weak Biden administration and its appeasement policies from its tail between its leg, negligent departure from Afghanistan, which could have been done so diff- so much differently in a much more uh, assertive type of way. But anyway, we've talked about that on podcasts here before and episodes before. But it gave jihadis a green light as they slaughtered 14 of our soldiers in an attack as we departed. And we left after that attack. We did not impose any type of response. Again, a green light to the jihadis in the future. That's why this was a day of jihad. It's not a day of Hamas. One brand, one small brand of their global movement of Islamist jihad. So they wanted to make their eschatology, their end of times theology more relevant again. That's why they did this. They don't care about the Palestinians. Again, it's their cannon fodder. They don't care about the region. It's their cannon fodder. They saw America as no longer having the will to defend our ally Israel or defend freedom. That's why October 7th, 2023. But the overarching why at all, why the suicidality against certain destruction by the Israeli power, is because the Palestinian Islamists were becoming increasingly irrelevant and have with these evil acts of war, aggression, rape, and terror brought themselves back to the forefront and center of global Islamist leadership rendered irrelevant by the Abraham Accords, irrelevant by the populist revolutions in many Muslim-majority nations and their populist rejection of Islamism. Again, I'll remind you, There was no day of rage in Egypt. There was no day of rage in Iran where the women have been protesting against the men with beards, the Neanderthals with beards and robes running the government, running the theocracy. So this is the why of their nihilistic war this week that the West must understand and finally develop a strategy against. Or it's going to keep coming back. And that triangulation between Arab and Farsi dictators, the Islamists and then the West, needs to be understood by everyone. Because yes, Saudi might be moving towards Abraham Accords, but they're still not our allies. They're not on the same part of the triangle of liberal democracies, for crying out loud. So... They used to be with the Islamist hand in hand, and then they aborted them. So we now triangulated it, and that's one of the achievements in the last 10 years that's been, for the most part, good, but some bad significantly, obviously, 
as they've savaged their own people in Syria and elsewhere from these dictatorships. Because that radicalizes them also. That feeds militancy of the enemy, feeds the radicalization of Muslims, of many of them, and feeds the Islamists. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't give them moral agency. They do have a responsibility to reject the inclination to become violent and understand who their real enemies are. And that we in the West, as the family seek to come here like-minded, are their friends, are their allies, not their enemies, regardless of what their propaganda says about us. As we now first decimate Hamas once and for all, once that's done, if we don't have an active frontal and anti-Islamist counter-information arm to counter Islamist supremacy and jihad from within, it'll come back, it'll grow stronger and hit them, hit us, hit other countries in Europe again. Our security apparatus, I'm sure, is on alert right now. We don't know when the next attack is coming. COVID put us into an anesthesia for a couple years thinking that there was no more jihad. And we tried to tell you. We tried to tell you it was still there. It was growing. The decimation of ISIS by General Mattis and others, Trump administration, set them back a few years, but they were coming back. With or without ISIS, with or without Al-Qaeda, with or without Hamas, they will come back unless we defeat the ideology. Jihad is the enemy. Jihadists are the enemy. Yes, please execute, win this war in the short term against Hamas, against the jihadi enemies of civilization. But for the love of God and the free world and civilization, finally develop a potent strategy against Islamism. That needs to be a strategy, bipartisan, not party-related, not not the election cycle vacillation, but pure and simple, an unapologetic war against political Islam, with the head of the spear being our freedom-loving Muslim allies, so that it clearly is not a war against Islam, but actually a facilitated ideological war of ideas for liberty against theocracy. Wow! As I've testified to Congress, that's that's music to America's ears. That's the American Revolution, isn't it? That was our revolution. It's time to anchor the West from America to Israel against all forms of Islamism, political Islam, and defeat this ideology once and for all in this generation, not the next and not the one after that, because ultimately... The constituency for political Islam includes the heartstrings of a quarter of the world's population. Almost 25% of the world is Muslim, and many of them don't live in theocratic states, but most of them, if not all of them, live in some form of dictatorship. The vast majority, that is. And that needs to be reformed. In the end, there's going to be a lot more to discuss. May all innocent civilian life be protected, be safe, as Israel will have to defend itself, will have to make sure Hamas does not come back and is removed 
militarily and physically as the leadership of that community. I've always uh, often, uh, I would ask you, look back at what I've been saying for the last decade about the Palestinian conflict, and you will hear me repeatedly say that the Palestinians need an Arab Spring, that the Arab Spring, the Arab awakening missed the Palestinian movement, and I didn't understand why they did not speak out against, why they did not speak out against their own dictators, their own theocrats that were treating women like third, fourth class, inhuman ways that were spreading propaganda to children in grade school that was anti-Semitic and anti-Western and inhuman on their televisions and in their grade schools that was allowing them to fester in a way that did not engage and recognize that they were going to need to live in peace with the Jewish state around them. All of that needed an Arab Spring, and there wasn't one. So at the end of the day, just like in Germany, the silent Germans had some responsibility against their oppressors and the wars that their oppressors took them to. For the Germans to have blamed Poland and other countries around them for their oppressors would have been absurd. And this is, as we begin to look now at the next few weeks as a massive amount of Israeli troops are beginning to gather at the border, the border of Gaza to go in and defend the state of Israel against the attacks that they suffered. We're going to need to remember, we hope and pray that innocent life will not be harmed, but that Hamas will be a part of history, that that movement will not come back, and that ultimately also Fatah, the secular corrupt group, supposedly secular, and yet they also gave lip service to the Islamists of Hamas, didn't they? They can't even condemn the terrorism this week as their spokespeople are all over the media. We'll continue to cover this on this podcast. I'll continue to talk to you about the realities of political Islam and how it speaks to the entire region and the global lessons that we should learn sitting in the lap of freedom, sitting in civilization and this battle between civilization and the uncivilized. This is Zudi Jasser. Thank you for joining me on the podcast Reform This Find me on Twitter at Dr. Zudi Jasser, D-R-Z-U-H-D-I-J-A-S-S-E-R, and also at Reform This Radio. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.